Grumpy Old Man, we are live. This is TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Um, and uh, number one, you're the NHL expert and analyst, Grumpy. Um, we're huh? live streaming here our podcast. I know it's a little odd and clunky of a start, I think, a little bit, Grumpy. Yeah, well, you botched the opening. Good job. Uh, impressive, <laughs> as always. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> but we don't have the luxury of you starting it over. So let's go. Uh, well, I will say this much, Grumpy. I'm a little disappointed. I thought you said you were going to bring a uh, mistake, like a, a whiteboard, where you could mark all the mistakes. You could slowly start marking them throughout the podcast. Did you not bring that prop with you? I ran out of ink. Oh, you ran out. You ran out of ink. marker for all the mistakes you made last time. <laughs> uh, well, Grumpy, I know. Kind of last podcast we talked and, and looked a little wearing, bit. All right, do you know who this character is? It's Superman, Grumpy. Okay, I know that character. It looks, it looks, it looks familiar. And thank you for wearing a full, a full T-shirt today. Uh, you know, the funny thing, I guess, is, I guess, is on our first live stream that I wasn't wearing a cutoff. I mean, most times I get done with the gym, and I and we go ahead and jump right into the podcast or something like that, or I have a chance to shower, and then we jump into the podcast. Yeah, I guess it's the first time I've worn a sleeved shirt, Grumpy. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but Grumpy, we were able to talk a little bit about a memorable playoff run for the New York Islanders. We kind of briefly touched base on steps the organization needs to take to continue to move forward and what that might look like, what expectations should be. And again, I feel like as the offseason continues, that's going to continue to change. Um, and we'll understand a little bit more about the direction that Lou Lamarillo and the organization are going to take. Um, but it is an extremely crucial offseason in a shortened time period. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of moving and shaking and it's going to be everything's going to be intensified I feel like. Well, actually Gary Bettman came out this week and he was thinking that maybe the season might not start until January. Um Re- oh, okay, he said that today. Um earlier in the week uh and he said he definitely wants to get the full 82 games in for the season though. So, you know, we'll see I think everything's kind of still up in the air, uh, but we're not going to be starting uh, October 1st. That's for certain. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be quite a quick turnaround, Grumpy Old Man, that's for sure. Um, but it's it's definitely going to be an important one there for the Islanders. And we talked a little bit about the cap situation that we were going to be in. We've talked about this looming cap situation for, for two a while. Two years. Well, we, we definitely started ramping up our talks last offseason, Grumpy Old Man, when we saw the contract extensions that guys like Anders Lee and Jordan Everly received and how much that was going to absorb of the cap. And and obviously it being a flat cap is is not helping us or really any other team at this time period. Um, but it's funny. Arthur Staple did a little bit of an article about it. If buyouts, and he kind of went through a list of the players that people have thrown out, hey, let's buy this player out, let's buy this player out. And he kind of broke it down. <laughs> and the brief synopsis of it is uh, none of the candidates for an actual buyout would really be worth the buyout and worth the price. Right. And a lot of them were due to some of the bonuses that uh, Garth Snow signed, gave people a sign. I mean, you know, just his failure is never totally complete. I mean, well, yeah, and I, I think you're talking you're talking specifically about maybe a Boyd Chuck or an Andrew Ladd. Yeah, we're buying them out or even putting them down there in Bridgeport for the year. Best case scenario, you really save roughly about a million dollars on the cap. So not, you don't really save a lot by by burying them in Bridgeport. That's for sure. Well, okay, I think you save a little bit more by 
putting them down in Bridgeport. Um, I just want them gone from the organization, though. That's all I want. I, I don't want to have to hear about this again. I don't want to hear their names coming up. They're finished as players. Move on from them. Kind of is what it is. I know everybody loves Johnny Boychuk. I love Johnny Boychuk, but we have so many younger, better players that are ready to play uh, that, you know, his $6 million can really be used somewhere else. You know, uh, maybe some of the teams that need to get to the salary cap floor wouldn't mind trading for him because he doesn't cost a whole lot of actual cash, uh, but his cap, but his cap number's high. So I believe his, uh, um, his actual cash would be something like one and a half million dollars this year, something like that. Hmm. Oh, well, grumpy. I, I won't go too much into that. I, I do believe that, you know, his time and of being a contributor on a night to night basis is finished. And you can't be paying a guy who's not going to play an important and pertinent role to your club and organization roughly about $6 million a year. It Long-term, it's just not good, and especially with the cap staying flat and players that need to be signed. We've got the big three restricted free agents this offseason, and they're going to have to be creative. I mean, again, Matt Barzal, Devon Taves, as well as Ryan Pulak are not going to come cheap. No. Um, I think that – I think that Pulak maybe earned himself a little bit more money with the playoff run. I think Devontae's might have lost some money in, during the playoff run. And I think Matt Barzal is kind of going to stay right where he kind of was. Uh, so long story short, we don't have enough money. We have almost $9 million in salary cap space. Um, you know, when Lamarillo has said, if anybody tries to sign Barzal to an offer sheet, they're going to match. So, you know, and that's that's not a shock, and that that should happen, right? Matt Barzal is <laughs> the player with the most offensive acumen on the team, most creativity. Of course, they're going to match. They're not going to let their best offensive player walk for free or walk with some draft compensation. Absolutely not. Uh, and I, I like I said, all three of those guys are valuable members of the team going forward. And as you know, even before last off season, we had the discussion. You know, we were looking at last year's our own unrestricted free agents. Uh, if you remember, I said what we should have done first was sign Taves, Barzal, and um, gosh, who's the last guy? Pulak. Yeah, Pulak. Yeah, there you go. He's probably the second most important guy, right? They should have signed those guys to maybe bridge deals, four-year, five-year bridge deals, giving them a little bit less money, but this way you have them locked up and then go after your unrestricted guys. Well, I want to be honest, Grumpy. I, I think it's a moot point when you talk about that. I think the cap staying flat will earn, I wouldn't say, uh, the Islanders' favor with those restricted free agents. I think it just, to be realistic with it, teams in general aren't going to be able to shell out as much available cap because it's not going to continue to increase at the rate that it was prior. Obviously, with the expansion team of the Seattle Kraken, people are expecting the cap to raise uh, before the coronavirus and all the craziness and you know, impacting revenue. They were expecting the cap to raise at least three to four million for this year. And again, the same exact for next year. So, you know, you're talking about a lot less projected cap. So it actually may have worked out better that we didn't sign one of those bridge deals because it possibly might help us out long term. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Signing you would save money, sign it to the bridge deals. And here's the thing, we had no idea that this was gonna happen. Right. I mean, well, that, that, that's my point. I, I, I can't I don't think you can actually substantiate and say, yes, if we sign the bridge deals, we'd be able to get them less or um, they're less expensive then than they would be now with the cap staying flat. 
You don't think that Devon Taves would have taken less money to get a four-year deal last offseason than this year? I think that teams won't be able to throw as much available cap as they would have last year. But honestly, this is not important, grumpy old man, in the grand scope of things. I really don't think it matters. I just don't think that point was – I think it was kind of a moot point, and that's kind of what I want to bring up. I, um, yeah, I just feel that the way that the NHL is going, teams are – you're seeing it. Teams are locking up their younger players – to longer term deals before they reach unrestricted free agency, right? So what they're doing is giving them more upfront. They're buying out some unrestricted free agency years and uh, they're paying guys a little bit more, but certainly not what they would make on the open market when they hit unrestricted free agency. I think it's proactive and it's smart. Um, I don't believe in signing guys who are 28, 29, 30 years old to big long-term deals. That was how it first started. That's how everyone got into cap hell to begin with, right? David Clarkson, look at all those guys from years ago. They wound up signing, you know, a guy who's 30 years old to a seven-year deal, uh, you know, with $6 million or $7 million per. You know they're not going to be productive at the end. I'd much rather give that money to a younger player so that you're buying out his free agent. Maybe you get him till he's age 31 or 32, and then he gets become a free agent. But you've got the best years of his career on a lower price because you're able to pay him. A guy's going to take less money than he can as a restricted free agent because you don't have to offer him as much. So they're willing to trade some years to get more salary. But still not what, not what a UFA would get. No, I don't disagree with that point. But again, you're not. I don't think you're understanding the premise, and it's really not that important, so I'm not going to dig too deep in it. Um, but That's what we're in now. Well, again, we're in trouble now because the cap staying flat certainly didn't help. Uh, Dylan Kaiser also said uh, new TV deals coming up as well. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that will affect cap, if at all, really, um, and, and what type of TV deal the NHL is going to carve out. It's going to have no effect whatsoever because the players signed the agreement for three years. So I'm that's talking long term. Well, long term, I'm talking about the next couple of years here for the Islanders, right? That's what we're talking about. We have to maximize our cap issues. We don't because we have so many older players making uh, ridiculous money on on term, long term. Uh, that's not going to help us the next three years. TV deal is not going to help us the next three years. Oh, uh, well. Oh, Grumpy, you got some purple purple splotching up on the back of your screen right there, Grumpy old man. It's like you got flickering lights going on back there. <laughs> what can I tell you? It's like uh, it's like uh, it's like a disco in my house. What can I tell you? I was about to say. I- <laughs> It definitely is odd, uh, but grumpy. Um, I think long-term injury is a um, is a suggestion that Isles on Islander kind of went ahead and brought up, and and when you look at it, it's kind of convoluted, it's kind of complicated, and I don't want to bog everybody down too much with the details. But to give a brief overview, long-term injury essentially allows you. I think it's the ACSL, which stands for uh, accrued cap space limit. Um, it kind of allows you to mess around a little bit with the cap space where you can essentially move these players like a guy, for example, let's use hypothetically Andrew Ladd. If he, if they could clarify and say, yes, Andrew Ladd was supposed to miss 12 games or miss 24 days during the season due to an injury, you can move him to a long-term injury list and you could save yourself some cap space. Um, and again, there are a lot of different scenarios and situations that they can go through. It's not 100% clearly outlined in the CBA that they recently agreed to, but 
I, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that the Islanders might go ahead and utilize long-term injury on whether it whether it would be a guy like Johnny Boychuk or even a guy like Andrew Ladd if they could prove that they were going to miss substantial time. It wouldn't be the first time either that Lou Lamarillo has used long-term injury. Right. Used it with Stefan Robida in Toronto, and he wasn't even hurt. Um, so, I mean, there's, you know, there's ways to do that. Uh, I've suggested that in the past. You would wind up getting – and that could actually get us where we could sign our free agents for certain. But I think you kind of want to steer away from that if you can. Uh, obviously, we're not going to be doing buyouts. Um, uh, I'll be I, I'll be going to be really interested to see what approach Lamarillo takes this offseason. It's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. It really is. I think probably the long-term injury reserve might be utilized. And as I've been thinking a little bit more and reading up a little bit on it, and again, I'm not an expert on it, Grumpy, and I most certainly could have misconstrued a little bit about what I've read. Um, but it helps when you go ahead, because over the offseason, you have a 10% increase of the amount of cap that you can utilize until there's a certain date where you have to be at the actual cap. So, for example, cap, what is it, 82 million right now, Grumpy? Oh, right around there. 81 and change, I believe. Okay. I'm just going to say 82 to be nice and clean and neat on it. Um, during the offseason, you have a 10% increase or 10% buffer that you can go over that limit. So you can have up to $90.2 million on the actual books of cap. Um, and what this allows you to do is as you're above that threshold, when you can move somebody to long-term injury, you can go ahead and utilize that, and it, it lowers there that ACSL, which is the uh, crude cap space limit. And as you lower that grumpy, you want to be as close to the actual cap as possible. And again, like that's why they'll have call-ups um, to try to get as close to $82 million. But it does allow you essentially to move a guy like Andrew Ladd or Johnny Boachuk off the books. Okay. Um I'll just take your word for it. I I feel like uh, that's great. I just know it's an option for us, and it's something that we can do. And, you know, if we have to, I guess we would do that. Um, I don't think that's the way they want to go because uh, they certainly could have bought out Andrew Ladd at any time. Put him well, on not, not buy out. Not put buy him, out. Right, put him on long-term injury at any time in the last couple of years. Well, the reason being – and, again, we j I guess we did get close to the cap – this season um, we're kind of up against it um, but I think maybe they thought he was still going to be able to contribute or maybe they thought he would be more valuable to still have on the roster which is hard to believe but I definitely believe that that is that's a thought process that crossed their brains is they didn't think anybody in Bridgeport was ready to step up and they felt more comfortable with a guy like Andrew Ladd in there than a guy like an Otto Koivula or an Oliver Wallstrom having to step into the role or a Kiefer Bellows well that's obvious even then, even come playoff time, they never gave those kids a shot. Well, and that's and that's my point. That's maybe why they didn't go ahead and utilize that long-term injury reserve or long-term injury list um, and their benefit because they most certainly could have. But you you also want to try to get as close to the cap after you go ahead and move them off the roster because once you put them on that designated long-term injury list, that readjusts your actual cap space that you can actually use. So it, it's, it's kind of odd, and I, I don't want it to get too much into it. And I could, already, it already, You are already deep in the weeds. <laughs> and I was about to say, it's not. I don't feel like it's fun to listen to because it's not fun to read about, and I can only imagine how boring it is to listen to. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Long story short, for anyone who hasn't tuned out or fallen asleep 
is we have the option to lose to use long-term injury relief uh, with a couple of guys on this team. It doesn't matter how it works. I don't care how it works. We have the option where we can recoup their their money, and that's all anyone who's listening should should then should know about it. No one should know anything more than that. We can recoup. We can definitely recoup their cap space, certainly. Um, and I think you know, obviously, if they do utilize it, then it's more important to know the nuances. But as of right now, it's just kind of like an option, and they haven't made any commitment to doing yes or no. Uh, we have a comment there from Michael Martinez saying, "Trade for Line A or Jack Eichel." Bingo, bingo, bingo. There's a man I like right there. That's exactly right. You want to get this team better. You're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to get new players on the team if you want to compete for a Stanley Cup, which I assume that's the goal for most Islander fans. You're gonna to need to improve talent level on this team with a high-end score. I don't think Jack Eichel is within our reach, uh, particularly as a center, also. So I don't think he's as great a fit. I mean, let's be honest. We have we're pretty solid up and down the center position, um, but uh, I think Patrick Line, who according to TSN in Canada, uh, they're willing to move him. Winnipeg is willing to move him. And now, you say Jack Eichel, or you meant Patrick Line? Patrick Line, Patrick Line from Winnipeg. Uh, I don't think Eichel's a fit for us. Um, okay. Let me put it this way. He's a fit because he's a talent. He's a fit for any team. But uh, I just – he's a center, so I don't see where uh, the mix, where he's going to go on this team. What do we do? Do we move Nelson to a wing? I don't know. I think he's proven, uh, as much as I hate to admit it, I think he's proven. He's a solid – I mean, he's a top He's a top two-way center. I mean, I think Couturier is better than him. There are other guys in the league better than him, but he but – he, He's really good in this system, um, and I don't think there's any way that we move on from him as a center at this point. So where are you going to put Eichel? I mean, yeah, again, he, I, he's talented enough where he could definitely play the wing. It's always easier to bump out to the wing than it is to an actual center position. Um, but I think you pay more. I think you pay more for Eichel than you would for Line A. That I will say. I'll tell you one thing: you're going to have to pay a lot for any of these options, and. I'm not opposed to entertaining the thought of a guy like Patrick Lyon or Jack Eichel. Not at all. Um, I worry a little bit about what it's going to cost. And for a team, again, that we're very, very well endowed on young defensive prospects. We are. Um, when it comes down to offensive prospects, really only have a handful of guys where I say, yes, maybe he could be a key factor. Maybe him, maybe him. I mean, there's really three, right? At this time period, you've got Kiefer Bellows, who ideally you'd like to receive a chance here next season. You got Otto Koivla, who if it, next year is not his year, it's got to be the year after again because the more time he's spending down there in the A, you kind of wonder if he's if he's overripe. And then a guy like Oliver Wallstrom. Those are the real guys who you have to figure have a chance or should be afforded a chance to play for the Islanders organization next season. I like it. I know you love yourself some Otto Koivla. And I like how you've elevated him over the top of Wallstrom. I oh, no, I'm just listening to those three guys. I was literally going left wing, center, right wing. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you were going alphabetical. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, okay, but here's the thing. You mentioned those three guys. Great. Patrick Line is 22 years old, and he's already proven he can score in this league. And he's a sniper. He is exactly what this team needs. I think he would be spectacular on a line with uh, with Matt Barzal. Absolutely spectacular. 
Well, I saw what I think now, Grumpy, you had done some research. Is that correct about trade possibilities that people have been throwing out there and and maybe what it would cost? Yeah, I stumbled across a couple of things and Eyes on Isles. I mean, they're a website and they everything, anything that comes in their head, they throw on the website. Well, they've got to create content, and we're in the yeah. off-season right yeah. now, so they're going to go over every single nuance possible because it's their job, right? They have to go ahead and explore every avenue of thought. Right. And they put out – you know, they had a possible trade scenario, which was um, Patrick Line for Oliver Wallstrom, Devon Taves, and Jordan Everly. Um, I don't know why Winnipeg would want to take Everly back. I could see why they'd want – Winnipeg never had Everly. What? Edmonton had Everly. Yeah, Winnipeg never had Everly. You said take Everly back. In a trade. Where they oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Man, I'm back to the team. I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry for that. Yeah, I just want to play. Back in the trade for Line A. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I know we played for Edmonton. I know. Um, but, like, the, guy, the guys going back to Edmonton, I mean, to Winnipeg, would be Taves, Wallstrom, and Everly. I don't know why they would want Everly in that deal. I could see why they'd want Taves. And I could see why they'd want Wallstrom to possibly fill in down the line. And uh, like, even though I don't think Everly's a fit there, I could, I would definitely move on from the other two to get Patrick Line. Uh, absolutely, um, I think that's definitely something that I would consider if I was the Islanders. You have a glut of defensemen. Oliver Wallstrom isn't ready, and you're going to get yourself a guy who, with Matt Barzell, might score forty goals a year. I mean, that's a win-win as far as I'm concerned. The reason being, I think, why Everly's included in that deal is because we'd have to free up enough cap space to be compliant, which is the reason why, right? And then also, remember, Winnipeg Winnipeg doesn't have a whole bunch of available cap either. So maybe it would have to be – and again, I know they're just throwing this idea out. Um, that's a lot of movement. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed, again, with a guy like Patrick Line, you're getting a bona fide top, a top-line winger that could really help and really thrive – uh, on a line with Matt Barzal. And, you know, maybe he's a better fit there for Anders Lee, right? If you're hell-bent on keeping Anders Lee on the first line, which the Islanders definitely seem to be, and they're always hell-bent on keeping Jordan Everly, Matt Barzal, and Anders Lee uh, as line mates to a certain extent, they necessarily don't gel well all that much, uh, Lee and Everly. So maybe a new change or somebody else to help Lee out because he is the captain and I don't see him moving anytime soon. might be beneficial for the organization. Yeah, I like I said, I think that uh, – and, you know, the one thing – I know why they want to move uh, line A is the fact that he is a uh, – he's a restricted see him. Like I said, I wouldn't see Everly going back in that deal regardless of how they put it together. But, I mean, I think a line of Everly, line A, and Barzell would be fantastic. And what do you do with Anders Lee? I don't know. Maybe you drop him back down to the second line. I mean, I always thought he's played well with Nelson and Bailey. Uh, then it's a line for me to truly hate. I don't have to split up my anger except for one line. Uh, and then Jordan, then you'd have uh, Bavillier playing, you know, potentially on a third line with uh, with Pajot and whoever else they want to throw on there. Now, Grumpy, you cut out for me. I think I had bad connection. Who would you say would be the first? The first uh, you said was it be uh, Bellows on the left wing spot? No, I, I think who, who would have been on the first? Who would have been on the first line at left wing? First line would be Line A. Everly would play right wing. 
and okay. uh, and Barzal the center. And then you're just assuming that you don't move Everly, which most certainly yeah, I, I we most certainly have to move Everly in order to go ahead and free up that cap space, right? Well, there's other guys on this team who you could move. Honestly, uh, it's just it just matters to get get rid of them. It's oh, what you have to. Oh, grumpy! I remember, well, I move Andersley. I move Andersley in a second. I know they're not going to, but that would be a guy I'd move. I'm just I'm just talking from a hockey aspect. I'm not talking about salary cap. I'm talking from a hockey hockey aspect. I think a line of Everly, Barzell, and Line would be really, really good. They can all skate and they can well and they can all shoot. Barzell doesn't like to shoot, but he can. And then, like I said, if you wanted to keep Lee, you put him on the second line, where I think he's always played well with uh, Bailey and Nelson. Uh, and then you put Bavillier could go on to the third line with uh, Pajot and whoever, maybe Bellows. Again, so uh, I don't take much into account at Grumpy because now you're talking about not having to give up a guy like Anders Lee or Jordan Eberle or anything like that, and you'd be able to get essentially line A for Wallstrom and Devontae's. I just think it's kind of facetious. It's not well, they might have to give something else up too. I just don't see why Winnipeg. Most certainly, most certainly they're going to have to give up something else. I mean, Patrick Line is going to cost a pretty penny, Grumpy. Yeah, but my point is, I don't think Eberly would be part of that. I don't think they'd want Eberly back. I mean, they don't need more wingers. Uh, they need more defense. I mean, if you wanted to get, you know, somebody else from our defense core, I wouldn't even be opposed to including Letty in that deal. Well, they um, they most certainly would need. Um, they most certainly would need a right-handed defenseman. I mean, like if you're looking at Winnipeg, what their struggles are. Uh, Connor didn't play too well in net this year, and they need a right-handed defenseman. Um, and I mean, I think those are the two biggest points they have to address this offseason. Obviously, if you improve the defense, maybe the goalie improves a little bit. And again, goalies have ebbs and flows. Some years are good, some years they struggle. They're not giving up on Hellebuck. They just, he signed to a long-term deal. He's not going anywhere with that team. He might be maybe had a little bit of a down year this year, but he's not going anywhere. Michael O'Donnell says, you guys talk about moving Everly and Lee, but you ignore their no-trade clause. I think they have a no-move clause to certain teams. I don't believe it's a complete no-trade clause, though. Correct. Correct. So, and again, I don't know what teams they're, you know, have listed as that they can move to towards or anything like that. And I know it's odd. So maybe they're – I know their contract, it works for – maybe it's a no-trade clause for the first two years which they were signed, and then it moves to a no-move clause. I'm not sure exactly the intricacies of that. Um, in the same token, something needs to be done. I don't think trading for a guy like Line is probably in the cards. People get all excited about it because it is the flashy thing. Um, I'm just entertaining the thought. I don't think long-term that's something we would even <laughs> – I don't think – if I'm going to Vegas and I'm putting down money on that, I'm expecting never to see that money again. Well, you know, I find it interesting that – and Lee has a trade, Michael McDonald says, for the no-trade no calls for the first three years. Okay. I knew it was kind of designed where they had a no-trade clause for a certain extent of the contract and then a no-move clause with accepted teams after that. But I wasn't sure exactly how it differentiated between Lee and Everly. Yeah. Like I said, there's there's ways that you can get around that, uh, even if a guy has a no-trade. Here's the thing. I don't think any of the Islanders want to go anywhere. They love it. They love playing on the island. I think they all do. Uh, but at some time, at some point in time, we have to treat it like a business, and we're trying to win Stanley Cups here. I mean, you know, the beer league days should be over now. Okay, but let's let's put it to bed. There's no way in hell they're going to be moving for Patrick Line, and we could we could agree to that, right, Grumpy? No, even I though it, even though it would possibly be a fit, I, I just don't see us doing it. Well, 
I don't, I'm not ruling out anything, honestly. I mean, I think there are ways to do it if you want. I mean, you just, you just have to work at it. I mean, I don't even know if line A is somebody that the coaching staff would like. I don't know, because you're going to have to subjugate your game a little bit to play for this coaching staff, and he might not like that. They might have conversations. Who knows? Um, but I'm not above kicking the tires on anyone who improves the talent level on this team. Yeah, and again, I, I think the, the biggest the biggest things we are, we're going to focus on this offseason is signing back the three restricted free agents. I think – and after that, unless we go ahead and are able to shed major amounts of cap through a long-term injury um, or utilizing that, we are not going to have the cap to absorb somebody like that. Again, I get it. If you're moving for lining, you'd have to give up the cap back in return. Uh, I just don't see us doing this. I don't see at least the way this team and what Lou Lamarillo has done um, over the past two years, I guess, not even full two years that he's been the general. Has it been now two years, Grumpy? Two plus. To, okay, a little bit more than okay. This is, I guess, his second off season, though, correct? Or is this his third off season? Third off season, right? This is his third, third off season. The first one was where he botched Tavares. Um, the second one was last year where we signed all of our guys back to inflated deals, and who knows what we're going to call this one. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is a third off season for Lou Lamarillo. And if you look at it, we haven't made any big trades or anything like that. I, I don't think there's any reason to expect that we would make any huge trades. For the most part, we've been in a re-sign the cast and crew that we currently have and make a small trade here or there. I mean, the biggest trade I guess we've made <laughs> since under Lou Lamarillo, not at the trade deadline in the actual offseason, was for Matt Martin. Well, I don't think you could just say the biggest trade he's made is certainly the Pajot deal. Pajot and then Andy Green, most certainly. I mean, those are two big trades, but they didn't happen in the offseason. I'm talking about offseason um, reorganization. I want to say you've been here three years. You've made three trades. Uh, okay. Uh, I think you need to be a little bit more proactive as a GM. Uh, we, don't have the, we don't have the greatest talent in the league. I, I mean, we're a blue-collar, lunch-pail team, which is great. But we need more talent if we want to win Stanley Cup. I mean, look at the finals right now. Look at look at the finals. I mean, that tells you all you need to know, right? I'm just going to say one thing, Grumpy. I'm going to say one thing. Do you remember we made predictions about the Stanley Cup finals on who I was going to win between, between Dallas and Tampa and how many games it would go? Do you remember, Grumpy? No. I do remember predicting five games for Tampa. Mm-hmm. And even after they lost game one. Been, I'm going to give you credit. You've been spot on with all your predictions all postseason long. East Conference in the Eastern Conference, I was always right with the Islanders. How many games? How long it was going to go? Who was going to win? Um, and I think this one is going to. I think I think Tampa cleans them out. Uh, is it tomorrow night? Correct, Sunday night. Tonight. Oh, is it tonight? Yeah. Well, shows you how much I'm keeping up with everything. Oh gosh, I did not know they had a back-to-back scenario here in the Stanley Cup Finals. Remember, they have NFL Sunday Night Football on NBC on Sunday. So. Okay, so that's why they've done that. I was about to say, is this? I, I'm honestly, genuinely, genuinely interested. Is this the first time in a Stanley Cup Finals they've had back-to-back games? I don't know. I don't know. Does it matter? I don't know. It's just interesting to think. It's interesting to think about. I think. I'm going to say, who knows? <laughs> At least this is the first time in, me- in my memory that something like that's happened. I will say that it's probably happened at some point in the history of the NHL at some point in time. That's what Paul says, right? He says no. So it definitely has happened. This is the first time since 2009. Thank you, Paul, for that. There you go. So, 
it's just it's not something they want to do. They want to space the games out, give the guys a little bit of rest. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think you're right. I mean, you Tampa's really, really good, really good. And I mean, we knew that going in, right? Didn't we? We, I mean, that was my pick to win the whole thing. I don't know who you picked, but I'm sure it wasn't Tampa. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I mean, Tampa's been the best team in the league for the last number of years. They're just finally going to get the cup this year. Good for them. They're a good team. Yeah, and this, this is, and I think it was an important series for us to play specifically against Tampa. That is now the measuring stick. You know what I mean? They are the team that you have to compare yourself to in your out bases as of right now because they are, are that talented. And the results prove it. I know people call them choke artists and everything like that. But if you look at it, even over the last six years, made to the Eastern Conference Finals for those years, and now they're going to go ahead and win another cup during that time period. They're an extremely talented – or is that their first cup? And I cannot remember, Grumpy. I've got um, – I'm having – won- No, they won – they won mm, – gosh, I want to say 2003, but I don't know if it was then. It was when they had uh, Martin St. Louis and – Marty St. Louis, yeah, I do remember that time. Javier on the team. And John Tortorella was the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Calgary in the finals. And uh, Jerome Aginla. Yeah, 2004 there, Paul. Paul Paul is, Paul is helping us out <laughs> today, that's for sure. So. Well, I knew. I, that was a long time ago for the grumpy old man. But I knew it was back around those that time. But, okay. But here's the thing. You know what? They, it's a lot of time you think about it's learning how to win. And Gretzky mentioned it. Uh, the Islanders' fourth Cup win uh, in a row. They beat uh, Edmonton, right? And everyone predicted going to that series, Edmonton just way too good for the Islanders. Uh, no way that the Islanders are going to beat Edmonton. I knew I, I, I knew the Islanders were going to win. I thought they were going to beat Edmonton the next year too, and they didn't. But you looked at Gretzky came out after that after that final game, and you know he walked by the locker room. And nobody in the Islanders locker room was really celebrating. They were all, you know, all hurt, banged up, uh, saw all the injuries. And he says that's when he learned that, you know what, the amount of sacrifice it takes to win the cup. And he said that was instrumental, seeing them and the effort that they put in and what they looked like at the end that gave him, okay, I have to take it to the next level. And I think that's a lot. That happens a lot. I mean, Tampa Bay. Like I said, this year they picked up a couple of sandpaper guys and it kind of put them over the top. But you're seeing all those years of failure. Last year in particular has hardened them in a certain way. Okay, we can't take anything for granted. And they haven't this playoff series. They've been uh, the whole the whole playoff postseason. They've been really, really good. To me, the game that put them over the top was winning that game one four overtime or five, I don't even remember, I think four or five overtimes against Columbus, the team that shut them out last year. That that was that was the game for them. I think that was the game that put them over the top. I think it definitely did help. Obviously, if they lose that game, I think kind of maybe you've got a little bit of that creeping anxiety uh, sinking in subconsciously. I don't think anybody actually admits to it, but, you know, a little bit in the back of their head, like, oh, crap, now we're fighting these guys again. We lose, you know, game one. And But it's funny, right? Columbus bounced right back. What was it in a double overtime game the next uh, the next time they faced off? Yeah, that mm-hmm. five overtime game, the game one. Mm-hmm. And they won the second game. And then uh, after that, they were done because – uh, Tampa just kind of took over that series. And, you know, but, hey, look, think about it. Think about Columbus's ride this year, right? I mean, 
they get through uh, Toronto, where I thought for certain they should have beat them. Uh, I can't remember which game of the series it was, series it was now. And they wound up choking it away in the last couple of minutes, and then they come back and win game seven. And you know what? Hey, good for Columbus, and you know John Tortorella did a good job with them. But this is just Tampa's year. I just, I just think they're the best team and deserve it. When, when, when they win the cup, and I'm going to say when because they are, they deserve it. They're the best team in the league, and they deserve it. And speaking about Columbus, my goodness, they uh, they had a great year, especially for everything they lost this offseason. People and pundits were expecting them to struggle so mightily, and they came out and they really did shock a lot of people. Um, I think Tortorella and his personality helps a little bit with that us against them mentality, us against the world that he carries on his, I feel like his teams, it's why he's got a really, really short shelf life. I feel like that's the continued mantra that he carries everywhere he goes. But I mean, think about it, what they lost to Shane, uh, Bob and, uh, and Panarin. So, I mean, <laughs> you've got, those are, those are three really big players all lost off the team and they're still able to make the playoffs. Okay, so what does it tell you though, right? Think about it. Three years ago, when John Tavares left this team, what was everyone predicting, myself included, for this team? Gloom and doom, right? Good coaching staff can do that. They can now they're not you can't win a Stanley Cup like that, but you can be competitive and you uh, you can make the playoffs and you can, you know, shock some people. And another thing it says, you know what, don't be afraid to let your unrestricted free agents go because you can still every, it just gives another opportunity for somebody else to step up. Absolutely. If you feel like you got the right cast and crew in order to do that, I mean, you can always utilize that. Obviously you don't want to lose a guy very, very talented to unrestricted free agency and, and not recruit anything back in return. That's obviously not ideal, but I understand definitely grumpy old man. You're they, they lost three players last postseason who were, more talented than the three guys that we re-signed for certain. And they didn't miss a step. I mean, just think about that, right? They didn't miss a step. They're they're right where they're right where they were two years ago is where they are now. A little bit tougher mentally, perhaps, but you look at Panarin and um Duchesne are more talented for me anyway than Everly and Lee. And Nelson, like I said, uh, Nelson has certainly deserved that contract and he fits perfectly in the system. But the other two guys, centers are more important than wingers. You could have moved on from them. You could have maybe picked somebody else up. I know we wanted to get Panarin and Lamarillo was said, well, even if we signed Panarin, we still would have gotten Lee back. I don't think there was much of a market for Lee, honestly. Um, he wanted to stay here and that's why, I mean, I thought they gave him a way bigger deal than they should have. Yeah, maybe overpaid a little bit on good faith. Uh, Paul also said Tampa has not lost back-to-back games this playoff run. That's true now that I think about it. Um, and that Tortorella should have won the Jack Adams Award. Um, so I, I don't disagree with that at all. He, I thought he did wonders with the, with the Blue Jackets. And um, <laughs> He's a good coach. He's a good coach. He's been a winner everywhere he's been. Now, you're right for – a lot of teams, he has a short shelf life. But, I mean, he was great with the Rangers. He was fantastic with Tampa. He was good in Calgary. Um, and he's been really good in Columbus, too. I mean, you know, you're a good coach, you're a good coach. Mike Keenan was the same way, right? 
uh, back in the day when, you know, he won the cup for the Rangers in 94, but he was good in Chicago. He helped turn Florida around for a short period of time. Um, but he was a guy, you know, a disciplinarian and, you know, today's athletes, maybe they don't respond to those guys as well, but you know, sometimes a team needs a kick in the butt. And he was, Mike Keenan was one of those guys. And I think John Tortorella is also where I think Barry Trotz, um, is not I, I think he is a cross between the two. Um, I don't think really he's as much of a disciplinarian. I've had coaches like this in the past, Grumpy, to where it's not like they chew you out all that much. I'm sure they do chew you out. Every coach always to a certain extent will, but it's more of a I'm disappointed in they like the guy so much that they want to perform for the particular coach. So he doesn't have to be a hard ass. He doesn't have to be a disciplinarian, but he also doesn't have to be, you know, a, a guy's coach or a, you know, a player's coach is the term they use. Uh, two minutes of pessimist Dicking said, uh, never extend somebody beyond 30 years old unless they're a generational talent. Uh, always buy low, sell high. Bingo. I mean, it's not rocket science, really. It's like, uh, you know, that's why I don't – that's why I, I thought Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle – I thought Eberle perhaps should bring back just because of his chemistry with Barzal. Um, but I did not want Anders Lee back, and I thought uh, Nelson – I'm okay that they brought him back. I thought they overpaid for him a little bit. But in hindsight, he certainly earned that contract money. I, I wouldn't have went uh, six years on him. I maybe would have went five. And Lee, uh, he signed for about five years too long. <laughs> yeah. I, there's- Everly's going to be 34 years old when his contract expires. I mean, what's he going to have left in the tank? I, I just can't see paying guys at that age, middle 30s, you know, uh, five, and I may realize he's only like five and a half a year, but I mean seven million dollars a year for Anders Lee when he's going to be, you know, thirty six years old. Ugh, how, how old is that? Like I said, I call him Anders. Uh, uh, Anders, I call him Andrew Lad two point That's what it is because everyone's going to be unhappy with that deal in a year or two. Yeah, I think people definitely will when you know the deal gets closer and closer towards its expiration. Will be unhappy with that. Um, I always look at it like this. It's really tough to sign back older players unless they have something that distinguished very, very, very clearly distinguishes them from other players. If you have an elite ability to skate, you know what I mean? And I'm talking about leaps and bounds better than others. Even as your skill to skate decreases, you know, as the older you become, you're still going to be a good to an adequate skater in the league. Or if you have a significant falter in your games where I can't skate very well or I have I have no physicality in my game or I've never been one to put the puck in the net or I'm a bruiser who who's taking a lot of beating on my body, as those type of qualities, they continue to, to rear their head and they're not good long term when you sign those type of guys. Um, I, I don't think you're wrong with the possible analysis there, grumpy old man with um, – Andrew Ladd to Andrews Leah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's it's funny to think, you know, in two years, three years when we're doing this podcast, that I'm sure the public opinion will have changed a little bit on Andrews Lee, if he's still here. Right. And, you know, it's funny because I remember Arthur Staple last year saying, well, you know, yeah, maybe he doesn't deserve that money, but it would have been tough to lose a team captain two years in a row. That's the stupidest reason to sign somebody back. I could care less if the guy's a team captain or not. You have to think about the long-term health of the franchise, not just, oh, well, he's a captain. And like I said, this locker room is strong enough that they could lose. A, they're a tight-knit group. 
And I realize that's the way they want to keep everybody together. But at the at the end of the day, and the bottom line is they're not talented enough to win a Stanley Cup. And they're just getting older every every day, of course, but every year. I mean, unless you start infusing this roster with younger players, you're going to see uh, – I mean, where are you going? Maybe qualifying. Like I said, if it wasn't for – uh, the stoppage of play, we might not even made the playoffs. Probably would not have made the playoffs. And then how would anybody? How would everyone be looking at this team now? That that's that's also a point I wanted to bring up. And I know again, it's it almost feels like two completely different seasons: the regular season and the postseason, because it was disconnected by however it was it two or three months there the COVID the COVID um, hiatus, I guess we can call it. Um, but you're right. I mean. If you look at it before we went on break, we had lost seven games in a row and we were on the verge. I know technically points wise, we were no longer in a playoff spot, but we had some games in hand. But in the same token, right, if we did not make a playoff spot and we gave up as much as we did for a guy like Andy Green, a guy like Sean Gabriel Pajot, that would have just proved that much more that, yeah, we just didn't have what it took to go ahead and complete a full regular season as well as make a, a deep playoff run. Um, and as your guys get older, they get banged up. They're going to pick up nicks and, nicks and bruises the more as seasons continue to go. Um, it's unfortunate. The older you get, the the less healthy you are. That's just that's how it works. You don't become more healthy the more banged up and the more wear and tear you put on your body. Right. And as Bill Belichick has said, the best ability is availability. And at the end of, like I said, Pellick wouldn't have come back. How was our defense without Adam Pellick? Right. We were in shambles. We were in shambles without Adam Pellick. Even we brought Andy Green into the role. And again, it wasn't a whole bunch of time he had to get acclimated to the way we play in the style. Um, but we were in shambles without Adam Pellick. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, he's one of the most valuable. You know, he's not going to get the press clippings, but he's one of the most valuable members on this team. He's an unsung hero, definitely on the defensive court, an unsung hero. Yeah. And, you know, I just. And it's just for me, it's like, okay, everyone feels great because we made it to the East Conference Finals. That's great. And we did. But I think just for the reasons you said, the fact that we're an older team, I don't think we were going to make the playoffs because other teams behind us were hot. And we were ice cold and we were dinged up and the break helped us immeasurably. Everyone got healthy. And if you remember before, when we talked about just as we went into the playoffs, as you remember, Trot's teams always come out disciplined at the beginning of years. They always do. And I think that benefited us. Everyone was back on the same page. Everybody was healthy, even though we were the oldest team in the oldest team in the playoffs, I believe we were, if not second oldest. Um, and everybody was healthy. And go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Two minutes of pessimistic, he said. Um, and this is interesting. I never actually thought about that until he brought it up in the comments. Never should have given Lee the captaincy during his walk year. It gave him too much leverage. And I never really thought of it like that, but it brings up an interesting point. Um, and it's odd with captains, right? It's kind of as much as the head coach kind of anoints who the captain is, I feel like the players really anoint who the captain is as well. And I mean, remember, I'm sorry, go ahead. If you remember, at the beginning of that season, we didn't have a captain. It wasn't until we were in the course of the season that he got the captaincy. But I'm going to tell you once, I'm going to say it once again, I don't care if you're a captain or not. That doesn't mean I have to re-sign you to a deal that, you know, 
really you don't deserve because he was a pro from as I'm concerned, Andrews Lee was a product of John Tavares. If John Tavares was here, I could see giving Andrews Lee that contract because the, the way that they meshed out there on the ice. He does not mesh with Matt Barzal, so he does not deserve that contract. And you knew that going in. I mean, his numbers were down from the previous year. Um, uh, well, Daniel said a few different things. He says, uh, any idea how long Pellick's broken wrist uh, or broken wrist sur uh, surgery will sideline him? And could he be missing the beginning of next season? Uh, no, we, we talked about that earlier a little bit. Um, we're not sure exactly how long uh, that is going to take him out. I couldn't imagine it being more than maybe two or three months, but we're not sure exactly when next season is going to start up again. Uh, you told me, Grumpy Old Man, that Bettman was considering maybe not starting things back up until possibly January of next year. Correct. That's what I've heard. Um, I don't think the – I think Pellet will be ready to go. I don't think – I think that was the last thing I heard. He'll be ready to go from training camp or whenever that is. I mean, even if they start in January, okay, December, that gives him plenty of time. Um, he's already had the surgery. I mean, it's not like he had his arm broken off and has to regrow a new one. He'll be fine. Um and his game, once again, is not predicated on goal scoring anyway and shooting the puck. So I think he'll be fine. On um, Casey Zizekas had a detached retina, uh, which kept him out at the end, and that's why he went home. He'll be fine also. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just excited for things that we can do. And, I, you know, sometimes, you know, I just think about – I don't always look at salary cap ramifications, but, okay, maybe it's a time to move on from Casey Zizekas. Maybe it's time to move on from uh, Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin. Um, well, Matt Martin is a an unrestricted free agent this offseason. And, again, you have a guy like Ross Johnson signed. We talked about this last podcast. You cannot, especially with the cap staying flat essentially for the next three years, you can't go ahead and, and re-sign a guy like Matt Martin when you've got those three big restricted free agents to sign back. I don't think so, at least. And Unless it's to a bare minimum deal, like a league minimum deal. Yeah, and – you know what? I like Matt Martin as much as I mean, he's an Islander favorite, but you know what? It's business. If, if that's right, if you can get somebody to do the job for less money, you do it. I mean, that's just the way sports is. I mean, the best players on this team are up for contracts right now. And I'm sorry, you know, we'll give you a gold watch on your way out the door. Uh, at some point in time, you have to move on from those guys. And uh, I just feel Matt Martin's one of those, but a lot of people are advocating for re-signing him. And I'm like, I'm not looking to re-sign Matt Martin until I get those other three guys signed. That's getting those three guys signed. Everything this whole off season hinges on that. Yeah, it definitely does revolve around that. That's definitely our number one goal. And I think that's the organization's number one goal. Uh, two minutes of pessimistic. He says, uh, Tanner Fritz and Johnson are younger and cheaper versions of Casey Sezikis and Matt Martin, respectively. Um, now, Sezikis, I've always thought he does he's a lot. More year. He's got one more year on his deal. And that's a guy, again, with, with the amount of injuries he's had and his inability to stay healthy for a full year, uh, it's really tough to justify signing him or extending him to a significant amount or a significant term when you know he's not going to be creeping up into his 30s. Uh, Daniel also says, if Martin signs with the Rangers to stay in New York and to please his father-in-law, I'm going to be crushed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If he goes to the Rangers, I don't. Where does he fit on the Rangers, though? I don't, think he's, fit there. I don't think he's a fit there. Um, Boomer, I don't. Well, I know Boomer would love for him to play on the Rangers. He's a big Rangers fan, Boomer Sison. Um, but you know what? He did give him a grandchild, so 
maybe you'll forgive him if he doesn't go to the Rangers. <laughs> but there are unrestricted free agent options out there, Grumpy. And obviously I'm not talking about a guy like a Taylor Hall or, or the big name guys because being up and close to the cap, there would have to be some significant financial wizardry and some moving around in order to even entertain those options. So I'm trying to get a little bit more of a realistic outlook and thinking, okay, what players have offensive acumen that are, you know, possibly they could be 30 or older and maybe they want to sign a shorter term deal um, or a, a younger guy who necessarily hasn't bloomed into what was expected and maybe has to have a prove it deal. I mean, there are guys out there that, you know, don't have the big name rep that could possibly fit in as a, as a guy who's a stopgap as a top six, borderline top six forward for us. Okay. Who are you looking at? I'll bite. Who are you looking at? And again, these are just two names that came off the top of my head. Uh, I'm not opposed to a guy like Dadenoff from uh, the Florida Panthers, even a guy like Mike Hoffman. I, I think Dadenoff would probably look to sign a longer-term deal than a guy like Mike Hoffman would. And it's an odd situation, right, for these guys that are in the prime or, or entering you know, the closing years where they can actually earn money for their, their craft and profession on the ice. Uh, they have to kind of play a little bit of a balancing act. They obviously want longer-term deals, but they want to maximize their cap. And, and with the cap staying flat for the next three years, it's going to be really tough to do both. So I wouldn't be shocked if some people are going to be in the camp of, I want to sign an extension or I want to sign a deal for three years, hoping, or even two years, hoping that after that two-year time period, or after that one-year time period or three-year time period, I'm able to actually extend that and earn some real money before I, I close the door on my playing career. I don't think you're going to see that from a guy who's 30 years old or older. Absolutely not. Younger guys, I could potentially see that, but not an older guy. Dadnov's what, 30 years old? Dadnov's 30 years old. I, again, I, I'm, and that's what I'm thinking to myself. Maybe even a one or a two year deal he might entertain because at, at 31 or even 32, if he's still producing, remember, he had quietly put up around, I think he scored 28 goals the last two seasons, and he's been right around the 60 point range in the last two years. So I would not be shocked at all if he gets paid this offseason, but he's not the sexy name on the board. Um, and if, if someone's looking to do a short-term deal where I'm maybe looking to win a cup, I'm looking to maybe look to earn a little cash on the side, I don't know. It all depends on what their particular preference is. But Dadnoff wasn't on a huge contract with Florida. So he's not going to take a, launch, a little contract now. He's going to look to cash, and he's 30 years old. He's coming off two straight years where he scored 28 goals, 60 points a year. That guy's going to get paid. I mean, he just is. Someone will pay for him. There are teams in this league that can get well in a hurry, teams that have cap space that are, you know, some seller dwellers where they can afford that. I'm still amazed at some of the contracts. Jeff Petrie signed a four-year extension for $28 million. I mean, Jeff Petrie? I mean, wow. What does that do for Ryan Pulak, right? It's like I, I just see – I'm looking at some of these deals. I'm like, where are they getting the money from? I mean – it's, well, it's, it's, Paul, brings up, Paul brings up an interesting point, and I, and I do agree with this. He said that's what's going to happen with our restricted free agents. Sign bridge deals until the cap starts to open up again, and that's when they're looking to cash in. I could definitely see that because they're looking to maximize, and then you know, once those three years or even if it's, it's probably more, probably three-year bridge deal, maybe possibly a four, once that starts to open up the cap again, I think that's when they're looking to really cash in. I could definitely see that being the possibility for all three of our restricted free agents. If you don't sign – Taves to a longer term extension, he's gone when this next contract is up because he'll be unrestricted. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree, right? And so I don't see. I don't. I'm. I'm not going. That's why. Again, you're just proving my point. That's why last off season I would have signed them to a bridge deal for five or six years, five years, a little bit less money. But you're buying out free agency years. You would be paying them more than their probably cap space would be, and you're going to be even more in a cap issue if you did that, Grumpy. That's what but I. Would I, I would, but, but I wouldn't assign. I wouldn't assign back the other three guys then. Because there's other guys, there's other ways to build a team. You don't have to keep your old guys together, move on from them, give the younger guys a shot. I realize that's not what this regime likes to do, but we weren't winning a, a cup with this team. We're just not, okay? So that's the issue that we have, and we still have that issue. Like I said, sign your younger guys to longer-term deals where you can pay them a lower than what they're going to get further on down in their career and you have them for the prime of their career. That's yeah, you, don't, you don't grumpy. I'm going to have to put, and again, I don't like getting too much in depth to it. Let's say he signed last off season, signed a five-year deal. He's going to be earning more of that five-year deal than he would earn if he signs this off season. The cap- you, don't know that. you don't know that. You don't know what he's going to make I'll, this year. Let me explain it to you, right? If five years this off season, the cap was supposed to increase. We're supposed to have bare minimum of three, Three million increase. That was the projection last offseason, right? Because of Seattle Kraken. They were supposed to be four the next year, right? When you're looking at the trend, it would continue to go up. So you're going to want that piece of the pie. But now we've had the cap sink flat for three years. That's going to lower everybody's price a little bit. So again, I think it's you can't go ahead and play it out. I don't think it's really that important, but you keep bringing it up. In long term, it's already gone. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing How much do you think Ryan Pulak is going to make? Average contract this offseason, five and a half. Depends. Let's say five and a half. Depends how long. Don't tell me you couldn't have signed him last year for four million dollars for five years. You're crazy. Coming up, come, it's a it's a hundred percent increase on his salary. What was he making two million a year? You give him four million, and you buy out a couple of years. You bring this up all the time, and it doesn't make sense. And maybe because you because, because you don't think long term. You think you think from here to here. I'm thinking big picture. Let me, let, me, let me go ahead and talk before you run me off. <laughs> let me talk before you run me off. Now, again, as a player, they know their worth. They do. Their agent tells them their worth. The eight stop. Let me finish before you run me off. All right. <laughs> when they go ahead and they, they would much more happily wait to become a restricted free agent, sign a smaller term deal, and then become an unrestricted free agent sooner to earn more cash, right? Would you rather say, I'm going to sign a five year bridge deal if I'm Ryan Pulak for four million per, or maybe I'm just going to stay on the current contract model now, which I'm only earning two million per, then I'm going to be a restricted free agent. Maybe I sign a two year deal. I'm going to be earning maybe four and a half. Then I'm an unrestricted free agent. I get two more years where I could potentially earn a larger cap hit. Okay, here's the problem. About long term, right? Here's here's the problem with that. Players are going to take the immediate money. No, they don't. That, absolutely, they do because you know something. You, your career is not guaranteed. Ryan Pulak now is a number one defenseman. Right now, he is. He was not last year. That's why you get you give him more than he's worth at what he currently was last year. You get you give him more than he thinks he should get, but you don't give it like he's a number one defenseman, which now he's earned that spot. So now you're going to have to pay through the nose him. If you want to sign him to another bridge deal, expect to lose him in three years because then he's a restri- and he's an unrestricted free agent and he's gone. It's a mistake. Look at all the teams around the league. I'm going to tell you again before – let me let me finish. All the teams around the league, they're signing their younger players to longer-term deals on the front end before they hit unrestricted free agency. And yeah. they're giving them bigger deals for more money. They're paying 
for the futures of the player, not the past. Well, here's here's my question, Grumpy. Right? What happened with Kaepernick in this offseason? Perfect example, right? Getting paid what seven million a year? How many points he produce for seven million a year? Thank you very much, Grumpy. You're not to the point I'm trying Kaepernick, to. Kaepernick's not making seven million a year. Uh, Kasperi Kaepernick, what was he Kaepernick, making? He's nowhere. He's no, no. He's not making anywhere near that. Not even near it. He's and he took less money to stay in Toronto. I mean, I'm thinking about I'm, who? Who else is the player on Toronto? I mix it. Mix it. Uh, not Neilander. God damn. Oh man, it's been a long day. Um, who's the player on Toronto that signed a seven-year or the, the extension where he's earning like seven plus a year right now? Forward, young forward. Uh, Neilander, a couple of years ago. I can't remember Grumpy, but Toronto's had issues there, and that's the reason why they're still in cap hell too, right? They're not addressing long term. It's not successful for the actual team. You lock up that amount, it's fine if players okay. might. Based on Boston Matthews, right? Mitch Marner is another one, right? Mitch, Mitch Marner. That's who I'm talking about, Grumpy. Okay. Again, I had a brain fart. Mitch Marner. And Mitch Marner's under contract for another four years, right? He's earning seven million a year right now, right? He's earning ten. He's earning okay. ten. He's earning ten. Yeah, that's right. But you know what? He's locked up. He's locked up. His value, you don't – I mean, four years from now, all right, the cap's going to be open again. Who knows what you're going to be able to spend. But here's the thing. They're paying for his productive years in the NHL. That's what they're paying for. They're not going to be paying for what, what he's done in the past. They're paying for what he's doing in the future. Can you make a mistake and sometime overplay a player who uh, doesn't pan out? Possibly. But you know some. You, ha- you know these players. You have a track record with these players. That's what I'm saying. Matt Barzell, right? So what are you going to sign him for? Five million dollars a year? Yes, I mean, five or six. He's going to sign a short. He's going to sign a bridge deal, Grumpy. Why? When he, when he becomes an unrestricted free agent, why would he stay here? That's when, when you, you have the option. You have the option of doing the right thing. You have the option of doing the right thing, paying the kid what he's worth and what he's going to be worth in the future. And that's all I'm saying. All you're doing is setting yourself up for the same thing you're in now where you're trying to battle other people to sign as an unrestricted free agent. That's why we're in the situation we're in now. Did you really just use the platitude of you have the option of doing the right thing, Grumpy? It's business. It's not about what's right. It's not about what's right. right thing for your franchise. It's you're a- going to get max number of years. You're going to get the best years of a player at a, at a concrete price. You're not going to have to go into a contract negotiation every two or three years. It's only going to cost you more money in the long run when you do that. Grumpy. Ah, grumpy old man. We do not agree on this point. And I could tell you, it doesn't really matter again, because you brought it up and it's not, I don't think it was pertinent to our actual conversation. Uh, bridge year deals happen all the time between restricted free agents. All you realize Taves and Pulak have already signed bridge year deals. And they could sign one again. And then you're going to lose, you're going to lose both of them to unrestricted free agency. Then I don't want to hear anybody crying. Oh gosh, now we're losing Pulak because he's going to get $10 million a year as a defenseman. But you well, put Hold on, Grumpy. Right? If we lose in restricted free agency, do you know how old Ryan Pulak and Devon Taves are? You sign him to a three or four year bridge deal. They're 30 years old then, Grumpy. What are you suggesting? You sign him to a seven year contract. Okay, they're, they're 24, 25 years old. So, three year deal. They're still right in their prime. That's why you sign them to a five year deal now or a six year deal now. So, that when they cut hit free agency, unrestricted free agency, they're 30 or 31. Then I can see letting them go. Regardless of the fact that defensemen last a little bit longer than forwards um, for what they bring, but this way you've gotten all of the maximum of uh, his most productive years in the NHL. We don't, we, don't have, we don't have funds to sign these younger players to long-term deals. They're going to command a lot more if you say, "Hey, we want to go ahead and sign you to an eight-year extension, a seven or six-year deal." We don't have the funds to do that. You have to. You have to you think. Can, about that. 
you can you can do anything with the money. You can do anything with the money you want. Okay, but here's the thing: you're buying out free agent years. What, here's the thing: this is what we're. This is if you're just a restricted free agent, we're going to give you three million per, right? So for three years, we're going to give you three million per or four million per. Or are you going to take a five year deal or a six year deal where you're making five and a half or six million? Which one are you going to take as a player? That's where we disagree in this scenario. We've never been in the room on a contract negotiation where they're talking about the difference between a three or five or six year deal. So there's no way to actually verify this. And again, I don't think it's worth continuing to hash up. It's, it, well, it's not worth hashing up for you because it's not an argument you can win. Ah, okay. That's what it is. And again, in lieu of time purposes and not getting stuck in this rabbit hole, which I'm sure nobody is enjoying. Uh, let's move on. We do have a comment. Okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, let's move on a little bit to the comments, grumpy old man. Um, here we go. When we talk about Mike Hoffman, he does have skill, but what about the locker room issues? That's from two minutes of pessimisticking. And then Daniel also says, do you think Sorokin will be as advertised? Will he translate? Uh I don't think we're going to go after Hoffman. I know he's had issues. I don't think it's necessarily him. I think it's more his wife, but it did cause problems in Ottawa for certain. I don't think there are any issues in Florida, um, but I don't – again, he's another guy 30 years old. Why would we want to be paying a guy who's 30 years old? Um, maybe, maybe you're not understanding what the makeup of our team is. We're an older veteran team. I don't think we're overhauling that. Hold on. Hold on, Grumpy. I don't think we're overhauling that next year. They want to compete for a cup next year. I don't think they want to do the step back and take a step back in order to integrate the younger players. I don't think that's what we're going to do. I'm not saying it's what we should do. I'm not saying either which way. I'm just saying what is most likely. Well, then we might as well trade our whole farm system if they don't want to integrate the young players. Get rid of everybody. We don't need them, right? We only want an old team. I'm just saying if you continue down the same path that you've been on of signing 30-year-olds to long-term deals, you're never winning. You're I never winning. It's in a Broussard type of category, right, where he's on a one-year prove-it type. Oh, he doesn't need to prove it, but he's on a one-year deal where he's able to absorb some cap. I think guys like that are going to be on shorter, shorter contracts, but they're going to earn money. All right. You're not getting Mike Hoffman for that. That's That was the question, Mike Hoffman. You, Mike Hoffman is going to sign a longer-term deal. He scores. He just is. Now to the bigger issue, Sorokin. Um, I'm going to tell you what. I think Sorokin is the most important player for next year. That's the most approved for certain because he puts up those gaudy numbers in the KHL with setting records left and right, uh, career save percentage records, career goals against averages, things of that nature, left and right. So you want to see that definitely translate the only thing I could see that might give him an issue a little bit is the bigger players that are going to crowd the net a little more than they did in the KHL. Maybe a little more physical in front of the net. And I think, again, if you're able to go ahead and combat that, there are no issues. I think that would be the biggest adjustment for him. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's going to put up the numbers he did in the KHL. Most certainly not. I don't think he's going to be saving 95% of the shots. <laughs> but his development um, is going to be paramount to us for ne us next year. Absolutely. Um, if he's a flop, we're in trouble. I'm just going to say that. If he's a flop, we're in trouble. I don't think he will be. No. But if he – I mean, I would like to see a, an equitable 41-41 split with Sorokin taking over the second half of the year. That's what, I, that's what I'd like to see, and I'd like to see him put up numbers similar to Grice this year. That's what I'd like. But I think, I think he's got – you know, just from the things, the, the limited time I've seen him, he's got talent. He really does. 
And if with this defensive scheme and system that we have, a guy like that can put up big numbers for us in the future. For certain. He's a cat-like goalie. He's not a – and it's different than the goalies that we've had uh, in the past for the Islanders, for like a Leonard or Thomas Grice or even a Varlamov. He is a completely different style. He's more of an acrobatic save type of style goalie. He's not a guy who is big and predicates his game off positional uh, positional saves like a guy like Leonard did, a guy like Thomas Grice definitely is, and even Varlamov to a certain extent. So this is going to be a different type of goalie. It's interesting to see how um, – Corn and Greco are able to work with him in order to, or maybe they're going to evolve the style a little bit around him. I'm not sure, but he's not a guy who says, all right, I'm going to be as big as body as humanly possible and try to stop shots that way, like a, like a Leonard or a Grice even. And that's yeah. positional awareness. Yeah, but he's not positionally unsound. Uh, he can make acrobatic saves that no one else on our roster can do. And that's why I think you're right, working with Corn and, um, uh, and Greco. And Greco. I was, I was thinking about his first name, Pietro Greco. Pietro Greco? That's it. No, it's not Pierre. It's something else. Pietro Greco. Um, Pietro. But working with them, I think, is really going to help uh, him. And when you have immense talent like that, if you're able to you know, kind of sand away some of the rough edges, I think I think he, the sky's the limit for him. I'm, he's the guy I'm most interested to see how he performs. <laughs> uh, that's for sure, grumpy old man. Um, and now Two Minutes of Pessimistic also did say um, that – uh, Arthur Staple brought this up on his podcast, the idea of trading away Devontae's not to worry about another contract. And what are your thoughts behind that? I'm not opposed to it. I think in an I ideal think scenario, I'd rather keep a guy like Devontae's. And if we could try to get rid of a guy like Nicoletti, I would be more satisfied with that and try to just get rid of the Letty Boychuk combination altogether. That would be optimal. Um, but he does. It, it's there's no disputing it. Devontae's does have value. He's a young defenseman, um, or a relatively young defenseman, about to enter the prime of his career. So he does hold value. He's a puck mover. Um, I would not be opposed. I think his stock was down a little bit after the playoffs. Uh, I would not be opposed to moving him if you could get yourself a line A, a Nikolai Ehlers, somebody that can really put points on the board that can work with Matt Barzell. I'm not opposed to moving him, and I'm not opposed to moving uh, Oliver Wallstrom either, honestly, or any of our young players in the minors. I don't think there's any sure-shot players down in the minors right now, and if they can get us an established player, a younger player, like a line A, like an Ehlers. Ehlers is a little bit older, but somebody like that, I'm all for it. I will say one thing, Grumpy. One thing I'm going to be looking for this offseason is if we're going to utilize long-term uh, long-term injury. I think it could be a huge plus to us to hopefully shed some of that cap. And again, you do have that extended 10% cap over the off season and you won't know if the Islanders will actually utilize that probably until the day before the regular season starts. I'm sure there's going to be rumbles and rumors because if you're over the cap headed into the actual uh, start of the season, you're in issues, um, you wouldn't be compliant. But if you're a little bit over and you know it's getting close to the start of the regular season, don't be shocked if we do utilize that long-term injury. So, um, And also we have here from John, uh, what winger is a feasible option to pair with Matt Barzal? Um, I just named two who are available on trade market, Nikolai Ehlers. Or uh, Patrick Line. I think a sniper is what you need to go with Matt Barzell. A true sniper. So right now, I feel like we are in the dream world of Grumpy Old Man. I'm talking about 
<laughs> what are what are feasible options that won't cost us an arm and a leg? Because remember, what type of trades has Lou Lamarillo made where it involves a star-studded player so far with the Islanders organization? Again, the Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is the biggest deal he's pulled off, and I think that's going to be long-term plus, even though I did poo-poo that deal originally when it did occur. Uh, I was uh, – I wouldn't say uninformed, but I was – I was skeptical for certain of his performance in the contract year when he, he doesn't put up a huge amount of points or anything of that nature. Well, you know, uh, you can say I'm in dreamland, la la land, whatever. Uh, it's got to be a sniper. I mean, if you ask me for a name, those are the type of guys I'm looking at. A younger player who's a sniper. I wouldn't be opposed to maybe going to Toronto and saying, hey, maybe you want to move uh, – you know, a Marner, or if, if you're unhappy, right, you sign up to that long-term deal if you're unhappy with that, or maybe a Nylander, uh, guys like that, that maybe they need to get underneath the cap. They still need defense. We have defense. If you could move – if you, let me let me ask you a question. Would you move a Letty and a Taves for a Marner or a Nylander? A team wouldn't accept that. That's not enough. They're getting a return, Grumpy. Come on, let's be let's be serious about it, right? You're gonna get two. You're gonna get uh, two top four defensemen. Because okay. is still hold on, a- hold on Grumpy. You're talking about giving up two top four defensemen for a bona fide mm, top twenty five forward in the league. Yeah. I, I, again, like, come on. I, you gotta be realistic here. <laughs> there, are a lot, there, are a lot there are a lot of talented defensemen that are going to be unrestricted free agents this offseason. Right, lowers the value of what our trade possibilities will be. They're going to be getting them on cheaper than normal deals because the cap isn't increasing over the next three years. You got to think about these things. You know what? Here's the thing I haven't seen that at all. With all these contracts that have been signed recently, I haven't seen anybody take a below market deal. Not one. I was like, wow. That was the same thing I was thinking, right? Going in, I'm like, okay, they're not going to be able to sign these long term deals. Petrie, $7 million. Petrie, Jeff freaking Petrie, $7 million a year. What do you think Petrangelo is going to get? Seven yeah, and a half? Eight? Eight. Well, uh, well Peter Angelo is something special, so at least eight, I'm saying. Okay, that, well, how are they going to fit? How would Toronto fit him under the cap in those circumstances? How would they do it? They don't have the money. How are they going to do it? They're going to have to move other guys. I mean, you never you never know what can happen. You said, Grumpy, you said, hold on, Grumpy. You said the same exact thing last year. When it comes down to the brass tax, Kyle DuBoss, when he thought about it, he said, all right, you know what? I don't mind going ahead and shedding a toxic, toxic acid in a guy like Patrick Marlowe and pairing him up with a first-round pick because that's what it takes in order to get rid of him. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he does something like that again. So you think that willing, for you to think that they're willing to go ahead and give up one of their younger, talented players that are tied to cap, which they're obviously very thrilled with. That's why they gave him the huge contract, right? I, I just don't think it's I don't think it's really feasible. Well, maybe a Nylander or something like that. I mean, Nylander hasn't lived up to his contract, I don't think. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. You don't know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that can be done. I mean, I they know. you don't know. You don't know. I mean, like I said, I mean, who are the unrestricted free agents out there who you can maybe get on the cheap who are younger? I was about to say, Grumpy, maybe a guy like Alex Galchenyuk fits well, right? He hasn't really lived up to the pedigree when he when he was selected. Uh, I could see him being a guy who's a prime candidate for a shorter or a possible bridge term deal in order to go ahead and catapult his career. I could definitely absolutely, see that absolutely. possibility. Absolutely. I agree with that. He's someone who maybe fits that bill. Um, but is he going to take a one-year deal? I don't know. 
but even if you have to offer him two, but he would he would fit somebody who was willing to take a uh, a prove it deal to get his value back up. I could definitely see somebody like him. Uh, most certainly, and again, I, I think he maybe would be more of a candidate for a two-year possible deal. Uh, and he, I don't think, is going to cost an arm and a leg just because of his performance. He necessarily hasn't brought the point production that people had originally expected. So I could definitely see that guy. I could definitely see him being a prime candidate um, if you know if the Islanders wanted to go ahead and investigate that solution. Um, Paul also said, "I've heard of the possibility of trading for Mariana Hosa's contract." Um, from Arizona to park it on long-term injury, uh, long-term injury relief. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it like this: We've got guys. I think we could go ahead and prove that maybe they couldn't play throughout the first twelve or twelve games in a certain, uh, to a certain extent, um, in the next year's season. So I, we could even move some of our own guys to long-term injury relief. Right. I mean, unless who are you to move for them? I mean, you know, because, you know, they're going to be valuable too. Those long-term injury players are going to be valuable too. So, you know, really you used to be able to get them for a song, but now with everybody, everyone's in the same boat. That's why I'm kind of – I'm really interested to see how it plays out. I've been surprised by some of the contracts that have been signed by players this offseason so far. I mean, and the, I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs aren't even over yet, and you're seeing guys sign big – long-term deals and i'm like how are they getting this done so there must be something you know uh, i don't know it'll be interesting i I said i'm lamarillo has to get creative but you know i i I just don't know i don't want to see him shortchanging the younger guy when he signs the older guys to ridiculously long-term big money deals at the at the sacrificing of the younger players it's a mistake I don't care if these short tra- short changes in your words, anybody, grumpy old man. I'll be honest with you, it's business. If you can yeah. short change some, if you can short change somebody and keep them on your roster and keep them happy, that's completely fine by me. If they're make, if they're you know under earning their actual value, I have no issue with it. Right, that's just a good contract, is what that's called. If you go ahead and sign a guy like Brock Nelson, right? Let's just say a hypothetical, right? You sign him to six million dollars a year, and let's say he puts up 150 points every single season, right? That's a great contract. It's not oh, okay. We need to go ahead and renegotiate or anything like that. Hockey's not one of those sports. Again, I'm just throwing his name out there. I don't care. You can put X, Y, Z into that slot if they overperform their contract. It's just looked at as a good contract. It's not looked at we're we're, we're shortchanging the younger guys. It's just business, man. Okay, I'd much rather pay the younger players because Brock Nelson's not putting up 150 points a year. It's, I'm, I'm throwing in hypotheticals. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just using a hyperbolic one, but it's to make a point. Okay. Anders Lee's not worth his contract already. Correct. Right? So you, you you wasted your money on Anders Lee where you could have you could have retooled the franchise on the fly, given the younger guys who are going to be productive for multiple years that money and backfilled with some other guys. That's what you could have done, but we didn't. We gave the money to the old guys at the expense of paying the young players. And if you have to give them shorter-term deals where you're going to lose them to unrestricted free agency at a younger age, that's bad on Lou Lamarillo. Grumpy, you bring up you bring up these same points, and it's because like they're, they're valid. They're valid points. I get it. I get it, Grumpy. But it's like yeah. if they had an at-home bingo chart at home, it'd be like bringing up how we signed Andrews Lee to too long of a contract. Whoop. I can check that one off for every single podcast I listen to. So <laughs> we understand that, Grumpy. Um, if, you want to, if you want to start talking about salaries and what we can do, that's going to come up because it has a direct effect. But here's the thing. I was talking about this 
before last offseason, before they signed these guys, and they, I thought this was the worst thing they could do, and it's exactly what they did do, and we didn't win a cup, and we're not going to win a cup with that. That's all. I want to win a Stanley Cup. That's all I want. I want a Stanley Cup. I get it, Grumpy, as do all of us. Uh, John also says, uh, what pieces can we move to match a salary uh, for a trade? Everly, I could see. Uh, don't see much else to part with on the offense making of anything. Um, uh, I'm sorry, on offense making anything. So it all really depends. I, I don't I don't really see us making a big splash for a big-name player this offseason. I really don't. Uh, at least regarding a trade, I, I see us. I see us kind of utilizing the same exact rubric that we've had in the past, where we might sign a guy who could play. Maybe he's a borderline top six winger, um, maybe on a prove it deal, like a guy like Alex Galchenyuk. And you have to hope maybe they're looking to utilize some of the younger players. Again, I can't make any promises on that. That's ideally what I'd like to see happen, but there's no guarantees with that. We haven't seen that our team's been uh, forthright and proactive with trying to utilize the younger guys yet. I mean, only in case of like extreme injuries where they don't have any more bodies, but I could see them trying to do something like that. So in essence, we're going to be, what's a team I can compare us to? Um, a team that hasn't won anything in forever, has no shot of winning, but squeaks into the playoffs. So we could be Columbus Blue Jackets, I guess. Well, we're, You know, hey, we're just on that treadmill of mediocrity because that's where you, that's where you are. Now, Columbus, Columbus is different, Grumpy. Columbus is a young nucleus. I think um, – and, again, this is not a perfect analogy. but well, that's, true. that's true. They got rid of their unrestricted free agents and brought in younger players. We're not doing that. But as I was saying, Grumpy, someone brought this up to me. Um, the San Jose Sharks, right? I know they are a lot more talented. And even Nashville, right? Their team – well, Nashville did make it at least to a cup. And I guess the Sharks the Sharks did make it close to the Western Conference. Never, never actually won a cup. Um, but the San Jose Sharks, right? They do have a lot of this ultra-talented ultra talented players, but they're all signed to ridiculously long-term contracts that absorb a lot of cap. And we've talked about this. We talked about this last offseason. It's always fun to kind of to, to bring up the Sharks every once in a while because that's exactly what you don't want to have a franchise do. I mean, Brett Burns is how old and he's making how much. Eric Carlson's up there in age now. Uh, Mark Eduardo Vlasic's up there in age. Vander Kane's getting up there in age, and they're all tied to these huge deals with so much cap. Um, we're not in the same situation. I don't think it's exactly the same, but that's kind of a sort of similar scenario. And I'm, I'm using that with a very, very loosely sort of similar scenario. Yeah, except that we are in that boat, and they are more talented than us, but that's exactly the boat that we're in right now. But we don't have the t- – we're paying, we're paying guys – who are less talented the same way. And that's that's the problem I have. It's not like you're paying Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky. We're paying Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle and Brock Nelson. I mean, let's be honest. Britt Burns, I mean, he's been an, a, a Norris Trophy finalist. He might even won one one year. You have Carlson. He's won – I mean, these are really good players who they just made the mistake of paying – and Mark Edward Vassick was really good too. They're just old now. Given older players, long-term deals is a mistake every single time. And, and that's and that's kind of my point, right? We're not tied to the same – they're not in cap hits as some of these guys because Brett Burns, was he making over eight, around eight? And, you know, Carlson's making, what, nine or ten, something crazy like that. I'm not sure the exact numbers. They earn a lot. 
uh, and they're still tied to huge contracts. Um, and two minutes of pessimistic, he says, uh, we're like the San Jose Sharks, but without the pedigree. <laughs> there you go. You look at, okay, here are the Carlson, $11.5 million. I mean, that's $11.5 million a year. What is he tied for like another six years? And Brett Burns, six. Brett Burns, $8 million a year yep. for the next five years. Yeah. Um, and again, they're all in the mid 30s, mid. And I think Brett Burns was he 34, 35? 35. I mean, yeah. you know, tell me you didn't know that that contract was going to be bad. Carlson is the youngest one at 30. I mean, Vlasic's 33, and he's got five more years on his deal at seven million per. I mean, when you're signing guys like that to those, it, it's just a recipe for disaster. And and that's and that's what I was saying, Grumpy. We're not in the same situation as them. I think kind of similar. I mean, when you look at the Anders Lee contract, that's going to be a contract that I think could be comparable to, uh, you know, maybe a contract like Eric Carlson or a contract like Mark Eduardo, uh, Mike Eduardo Vlasic. Um, again, not exactly the same, but very, very okay. loosely comparable. But as you say, we're not in the same boat. We have Andrew Ladd, Johnny Boychuk. Uh, right, but they're, they're making five million per. They're not making ten or eleven and a half or eight. It's a little different. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, on premise, I do agree that loosely we are comparable. And that's why I brought it up. Okay, I bet the whole thing is they're nowhere near as talented as those players who are in their prime. I do agree with that most certainly. That's why um, they overpaid that. We just just overpaying veterans' mistake. Yes, grumpy old man. Well, we have that been, my motto: overpaying old players a mistake. <laughs> well, I got to come up with a better model than that, but you know. <laughs> and uh, to Mr. Pessimistic, he says, at least the Sharks have been places over the last 10 years. And I do agree with that, right? Maybe that was their their motto, right? They were trying to, to grasp onto whatever type of chance they had to make that last push, that last hurrah. And at a certain point, that's what you want. But you, you've you wanted to win some sort of Stanley Cup before that. And then you could maybe make you know, that last run where you're going to have, you're going to be a little overextended. Um, and then Alexander says, we need Taylor Hall. Um, no. Again, I, we don't have the cap. I, it all Too old. Sorry. What was that, Grumpy? Too much money, too old. I mean, you want to get right back into that ship, right into that boat? Now, here's the thing. He's more talented than any of the guys we signed last year. But still, is that would that be another contract for a guy who's, what, 28, 29 years old, signed to a seven, eight-year deal? Not me. But, I mean, he can skate. One thing, Taylor Hall can skate, um, and he likes that. But he's more talented than the guys we signed offseason. I mean, here's the thing. I was all for us trying to sign Panarin last offseason. I thought that was the move for us to make. He decided he didn't want to play for us. He'd rather play for the Rangers. It is what it is. Uh, that's the one guy in unrestricted free agency I would have went after, just because his skill set and the way that he can skate. Uh, two minutes pessimistic also says we don't have the money to get free agents. And again, I, we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier. We don't. The only way I could see us getting creative and freeing up some cap space is by the accrued cap space limit, uh, ACSL, and trying to put somebody on long term injury uh, relief. And I think we would probably be more the candidate to do that the day before the regular season starts. So it'll be interesting to see what we do if we even utilize that. Again, Lou Lamarillo has utilized that in the past, and I, I don't think I'd put it past and maybe try to utilize that as well. I think all you have to do is prove that a player would miss more than 12 games during their NHL season this year or 28 days during the NHL year. So uh, we do have we do have uh, 
some options. Again, I'll be interested to see what avenues and options we do utilize uh, to free up some money. And again, we can always trade a guy like a Nick Letty. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Alexander also brings that up. We, he does have some sort of value in the league, and you know, he does have you know a good chunk of cap attached to him. If we can go ahead and get some sort of capital back in return for Nick Letty, I would not be opposed to doing and moving him at all. And Nick Letty played well particularly the last couple of series in this play and in the playoffs this year, which I think increases his value and hopefully, uh, but here's the thing. I don't think Trotz wants him going anywhere. When you make statements like, Oh, he's the best player except for Varlamov for a country mile in this you know, couple of games. It's like, dude, don't say that because I mean, I've watched the rest of the games he's played all year long. Who's to say that that's not? Who's to say that that's not a possible maneuver in order to to say, yeah, we really value this guy. If you wanted to approach for a trade for him, you know, we would value him much more possibly than you might. Again, uh, too much pessimistic. He says maybe a third round pick for Letty. I could see a third or a second round pick. I'm not, he's definitely not going to get us like a first round pick or anything like that. But he's a more than serviceable top four defenseman in the league. Yeah, if you would have moved him last year or two years ago, perhaps you get a first-round pick. But that's what happens when you hold on to the old guys too long. You don't get anything for them. Two minutes. What, what, would, buy, what would buy? It's not even the the draft capital we get back, which we certainly need. But it's getting his salary off the books, and we have somebody. Uh, no adoptions ready to step in. If that kid's not in the opening night lineup, it's an absolute crime next year. Two minutes pessimistic. also said Trot's just pumping up Letty's value, all politics. And that's more what I think it is than anything else, Grumpy. Um, you don't talk out and rant and rave about a certain player's performance over the over the series or over the playoffs unless you have ulterior motives. I mean, like you could say, yeah, the team played well. I mean, think about it. Barry Trotz has always been a guy who says, team did this, team did that, team did this, team did that. He's not been a guy who said, Matt Barzal's done this, this guy's done that. He said, uh, you know, players on our team. He never singles out a particular player. So, again, I'm not trying to read too much into it, but I do think maybe it had a little sprinkle of politics on that. I might agree with that, except that it was right after the, the uh, right after a game. And you're not thinking like that after a game. Now, I mean, you know, if it was offseason, yes, I could he see old. it. He always thinks about a team after a game. He never singles out a particular player. Even when Matt Barzal made mistakes, he, he benched them. You know, if they specifically ask questions about it, he said, you know, we have young guys who make mistakes, anything like that. He never singles out particular players. And again, I, I try not to dig too deep into it because I don't want to be, you know, like a conspiracy theory guy or anything like that. I just think it maybe had a little bit of a sprinkle of politics on it. A sprinkle. I'm not saying all politics, saying a little bit of a sprinkle, Grumpy. A little sprinkle on top of the ice cream. I don't think you're doing any sprinkles after a game. Now, if he says it two weeks from now or three weeks from now, absolutely. I could see that. Um, but not directly after a game. And it was a game where Letty played well, too. So, I mean, I think he certainly compliments players when they do well after games. He certainly does. Yeah. Uh, well, Grumpy, um, it has been – oh, we do have one last question here from John. Uh, Letty and Wallstrom for line A, would that be a possible deal? I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to moving something like that. I don't think it frees up enough space for us cap space-wise. Uh, so – and again, that's why I think that people conveniently throw Devon Taves into that deal because, right, that's one less restricted free agent we have to sign back. And if you pair him up with Jordan Everly, that does free up the cap space. We would need to obtain a guy like Line, and that's also one of one of those restricted free agents we don't have to worry about signing back. I think there's a lot of cap space questions that have to be answered before really we can get involved in what exactly the correct course of action is this offseason for us. Yeah, that's a deal that I would definitely go for. That clears whatever, you know, it's almost a wash in contract-wise uh, what's going to Winnipeg. Um, and if you had to include 
Devon Taves in there, then you definitely – then it's a wash. And you get yourself a true sniper. You've alleviated some of the glut on the back end. And you only have to sign two guys back. So And you'd have $9 million to sign the two guys back. And I think that's definitely manageable. I think moving Everly off the books is huge for us. Absolutely. Or even again, if you're able to put a guy like Johnny Boychuk on long-term injury relief, or a guy like Andrew Ladd on long-term injury relief, that does free up a lot of cap space. And again, it's it's very intricate. There's nothing specifically tying a lot of the rules and nuances to, in the CBA to long-term injury relief. So again, what I've read up on it on Cap Friendly and other sites, uh, it's possible. It's kind of complicated, a little convoluted. But if you're able to do that then you want to get your actual cap as close to the, the maximum floor as possible because that does adjust then your um, your uh, ace. I think it's um, – it, 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 it changes essentially the cap space you have available for the year that they're okay. still you're, in the you're, getting, you're getting too deep in the weeds again. We don't care yeah. about that. We care about this year. This year is the one we care about. We don't care 10 years down the line. If we did, we would assign those restricted free agents to long-term deals, but it's been established that we don't do that. So we only live in the moment. So that's what we're going to do now. Yeah, Grumpy. Well, we are at an hour and 30 just about. I'm going to say before we kind of wrap this podcast up, it's been a long one. It's been a draining one, having a battle with Grumpy every inch of the way. And I feel like this offseason for me is going to be tough on Grumpy because, you know, you and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on all the finances all the time and different approaches, you know, uh, different different blokes, different strokes. So uh, I'm sure it is going to be different strokes. Okay. It's gonna it's gonna be a taxing it's gonna be a taxing off season for me, Grumpy. We're gonna have to be going back and forth, Grumpy old man. I just have that feeling. That's okay. That's okay. No problem. We, I, we do agree with one thing though. We definitely have to do something with the cap situation, and buying out players is definitely not an option. Just because the players that would actually uh, afford us an opportunity to, to free up some cap space via a buyout are players that actually have trade value, and the players that we would obviously optimally like to buy out don't actually free up a lot of cap space. And like I also mentioned earlier in the podcast, another thing is maybe trading Johnny Boychuk to one of these teams that are uh, not close to the floor of the cap, and they would get the cap but not have to pay that an actual salary, which would help. So, you know, if we could make a swing a deal like that, I think that would be great. Just don't bring any more old players in, please. I mean, I mean, you know, come on, just stop. Uh, well, Grumpy, well, thank you so much for being part of the podcast in this live stream. As always, we're going to be live streaming uh, at least for the entire offseason on Saturdays. Saturdays in the afternoon, anywhere from 4 to 5. I'm going to be more proactive about actually cementing in the time that Grumpy and I will meet uh, Eastern Standard Time. But we are going to be podcasting and live streaming on Saturdays, Grumpy. Now, is that, four, is that 4 to 5 your time or human time? That's 4 to 5 Eastern Standard Time, Grumpy. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, Grumpy. My pleasure as always. And thank you so much to the Hockey Podcast Network. And thank you so much for everybody who participated on the live stream. I love when we get to interact with our listeners of our podcast and people who do enjoy watching myself and Grumpy go head-to-head sometimes. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm sure this will not be the last time, Grumpy, uh, grumpy Old Man, I do not see eye-to-eye this offseason. But thank you, Grumpy Old Man. Thank you.